I am excited about what God has impressed upon my heart. Over the next few weeks, we're entering into a new series called Evidence, that there should be evidences of our faith. If we are the faithful, if we are walking in Christ Jesus, if we are those who have the faith of God upon us and within us, there should be evidence. And you heard some of this coming from Brett's message and from Matt's message. I want to thank them for standing up here and presenting the gospel. They did a phenomenal job as well. Would you give them a hand? They were just great. Joshua and Bill covered for me in Bravehearts, which has been great as well, and some great messages and some great teaching. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4, he, he does something that's amazing to me. He walks before uh, Corinthians. He actually writes them a letter, and this is what he tells them, that when he was there, he says this, and my words and my preaching were not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. He says, basically, I'm a very educated man. I could have brought all kinds of words of wisdom. I speak two languages. I understand two cultures very, very well. I've been trained formally in both of these cultures. I could have brought some true words of wisdom, but instead what you saw happen with me came through the Spirit and a demonstration of the power of God within me. Whoo! I want to be like that. That's powerful. It didn't come from education. It didn't come from from man's ability. It came from a faith in God to do immeasurably more in the apostle Paul than could be imagined. And that's what faith is. And this is the importance of faith. We hear very few messages on faith because for many of us, we don't understand faith. Faith is something that's out here and not necessarily in here. And the reason we don't is because we don't understand really who we are and whose we are. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, some say it was the Apostle Paul that wrote this. Others call him the author of Hebrews. They, they, they are very corollary in nature. But I'll say it this way. The author said that without faith, it's absolutely impossible to please God. Paul told the church at Corinth that Christ dwells in our heart through faith. Apart from faith, Christ does not dwell. Stay with me here. I've got several examples from several authors of Scripture. James stated that faith without works is dead. Peter stated, though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So he says faith does something for us. It gives us an inexpressible joy regardless of circumstances and situations. But it it is also what carries us on to the next life, salvation for our souls. King David said, look, I've chosen the way of faith. Jesus tells the blind man, go, your faith has made you well. You see, faith is the most important thing, church, that we have. Our faith in Christ Jesus. Nothing will take you farther in life and on to life everlasting. The Apostle Paul once told the Romans to accept those who are weak in the faith. So today, if you feel like you are weak in the faith, it's okay. We accept you. Uh, For those of you who have not had a deposit of faith from God himself, 
Today, I want you to know you're here experiencing the environment that has been created for you to accept and receive a deposit of faith to accept Jesus as your personal Savior. And for those of you who are strong in the faith, those of you who uh, understand what faith means and that you are a faithful steward of what God has given you with this deposit that He's made in you, help others understand who they are. Be one who demonstrates the Spirit and the power of God within you. It's so important because we should see this manifesting throughout the body of Christ. So if you would please stand this morning. I'm going to take you back to the origin of faith today. Let me say something about the origin of faith. Faith has an origin and it's not you. You can't muster it up. You don't stir it up. You don't get all excited and and start saying, hey, come on, get it. No, faith has an origin and it's not you. And today we're going to find out where faith comes from and how God causes it to operate within those who would sit with him. Hebrews chapter 11 is where we're going this morning, verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of those things not seen. For by it the men of old gained approval. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. You may be seated. Now verse 1 gives us a definition. You just got a definition of faith in verse 1. And since all of you understood that and gravitated towards it and are holding on to that, let's move to verse 2. Okay? For by it the men of old gained approval. See, the author of Hebrews is speaking about, and he continues to speak about, the men of old who gained approval. Who are the men of old? It doesn't mean they're old men. It means that they're people in Scripture who demonstrated their faith. That, that this power and this spirit was upon them. He talks about Abel's offering was better than Cain's because of faith. He talks about Noah was righteous because of his faith. Abraham and Noah were both righteous before God because of their faith. Long before there was a law, they were considered righteous. They were found righteous because of their faith. He goes on to talk about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and their faith. Look, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob did what? Three generations formed a nation. Imagine, church, if we all lived with a full measure of faith in his demonstration of his power and the demonstration of his spirit within us, what that would look like for generations to come. He doesn't stop there. The very next text in Hebrews here, he talks about the parents of Moses and their faith. And then he goes right into Moses. What what does he mean by all of this? Well, Moses was placed in the Nile through the faith of his parents. Moses gained faith. And Moses is incredible because not only does he experience the Passover, right? He sees beyond the river and he gets to enjoy the crossover. It's so important that we see those men of old, if you will, and how their faith operated because we learn from that. Joshua, he talks about Joshua and how the walls fall down, that Joshua could really see beyond the walls, which you heard about a couple of weeks ago from Pastor Brett. Look, faith has been, church, and faith always will be the currency that moves God on your behalf. That's it. 
So somewhere, someone needs to teach. Somewhere, someone needs to preach. Someone needs to bring understanding to really what faith is and where and who it comes from and even how it comes to us. You see, faith has an origin. And like I said, it's not you. You don't faith things up. Jesus said it didn't take much faith. Jesus said it this way in in Matthew 17. He he said, if you have faith of a mustard seed, which was the smallest seed known to mankind at that time, you can tell this mountain to move from here to there and it shall be so and nothing will be impossible for you. But then the apostle Paul comes along and he's speaking to the church at Corinth and he said, look, if you have this faith that moves mountains and have not love, you are nothing. So he speaks to the little and he speaks to those who supposedly have a lot. What does the apostle Paul mean in 1 Corinthians 13 when he says this? He means that you might have faith in a lot of things out there, but if you don't have faith in God, and this is why he, he says it the way he says it, if you don't have love because God is love, that an inexpressible faith is for God, but it's also for God's kingdom to be expressed upon this earth, that his love would be expressed upon this earth, that you you would have a love for the lost, that you would want them to experience God so that God could deposit a faith in them where they too could receive what he has intended since before they were knit together in their mother's womb. You see, let's continue to back up. Let's go to verse 3. Verse 3 says, By faith we understand that worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of the things which are visible. So he says the world basically was spoken to by the word of God and God formed it that way. The unseen became the seen. This is going to become very important. If you you go back to Genesis and and you you know the story, hopefully in Genesis chapter 1, Hopefully you know the story in Genesis chapter 2. I'm going to pick it up in Genesis chapter 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed and all their host. And then go to verse 7. So he says, okay, he spoke to all these things, right? The plants, the fish in the sea, the sea. He separated day from night. He separated light from darkness. He did all of these things. But in verse 2, verse 7, he says, Then the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. This is awesome because now we're seeing evidences of God's desire. His desire was for man. Instead of just speaking man into existence, God became the potter and man became the clay. And man was found in God's hand. His most beloved, if you will. You see, he formed him, he touched him, he breathed into him life. God is the potter, we are the clay. He fashioned the woman out of the man. They are given a garden which is representative of the spiritual. Now, church, you got to stay with me here. This right here is going to become foundational to where faith comes from. Because God started to show us from the very first of Scripture this thing known as faith. Because we see Eden. Now, if you'll stay with me here with Eden, Eden is the, the region, if you will. And an area located within Eden is known as the garden. And the scripture said that God took man and placed him in the garden. Now this garden is representative of the Lord's prayer, if you will, on earth as it is in heaven. Because in this garden there were boundaries. 
Of course, we know there was a tree, right? There was a tree that they were supposed to stay away from. But also within this garden of Eden, if you will, it was heaven on earth, so to speak. The, the boundaries, the Gishon, the Pishon rivers were there. The Euphrates and the Tigris rivers were there. They were boundaries here. And the cool thing about it was, is God was there. As a matter of fact, after the sin, you see where God comes walking through this garden in the cool of the day, calling out to Adam, Adam, where are you? So they had a face-to-face relationship. They had spent time one with another. God loved Adam. He loved Eve. He was there with them. But look, he wasn't the only one there. This is a spiritual, very spiritual place. You can continue to read your scripture. Who else was there? Satan himself. This kind of looks like Job in the council. There was an angel there. There's, there's, here's what I want you to see. There's both the physical taking place and the spiritual. Very important that we see this. Because here there are boundaries. Here it's heaven on earth. There's a lot more going on, and I would say this about today. There's a lot more going on in the world than you and I can see, and it takes faith. And just as the earth has the spiritual and the physical, because the spiritual and the physical were happening upon the earth, so He created us with both the spiritual and the physical. We're created in this way. So Hebrews 11.3 says this, By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of the things which are visible. It takes spiritual eyes to see what's going on. The apostle Paul in Romans chapter one, he said, but each one is without excuse for you ought to be able to see the physical. He named some of the physical, the trees, the birds, those things that are around us should bring us to the knowledge that there is one who holds the order In his hands. So the world is composed of the seen and the unseen, the physical and the spiritual, two realms, physical and spiritual. We too are both physical and spiritual. Now, let me ask you a very important question this morning which is most notable in you? Which is most noticed in you, the physical or the spiritual? What do we pay the most attention to? We oftentimes say it like this, that we feed what we want to grow the most in our life. So obviously I've been eating well, my physical's doing well. Thank you. That's the voice of the Buffalo Lets right there. Buffalo, Buffalo Lets? Lady Buffs, I'm sorry. I'll get it right. So we feed which one, right, that we want to grow the most. So here's what I would say. Are you feeding more of your physical or are you feeding more of your spiritual? It's important for us to look at this. How many of us made New Year's resolutions? Don't raise your hand. But many of your resolutions went like this. I'm going to get in shape this year. I'm going to eat better. I'm going to make more money. Right? What about our New Year resolution for our souls? Did any of you make a New Year resolution for your soul? God made you one person with two parts, a physical body and a spiritual soul. The world can get so busy that we don't have room for our souls. We have very little margin. And the faster the world goes and the more things that we get involved with in the world, there is no doubt that the margin becomes less and less for our spiritual, which is far more important than our physical. In a tough place. 
Many of you counselors, you clinicians, you uh, LPCs out there, you've heard of the DM5. As a matter of fact, I would bet that every one of you have it. It's a diagnostic book, basically. It's a Bible. It's known as the Diagnostic Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. And if you've had any class in sociology or psychology and gone to any advance and done any advanced work, you were required to get this book. And it's to put a diagnosis on those who are struggling mentally. We all know that self-help books are the second most highest selling books in America today. We have it better than the world has ever had it, but we can't seem to get it right. What's going wrong? Why do we have so much of this mental illness among us today when it seems like we have the best lives that, that the world has ever known? It's second, those, those books are second only to the Bible, which is a good thing. The Bible's still the number one selling book. But here's the thing about the DM5 that you need to know. Not one time does it ever mention the soul. You're given a diagnosis here and people should be at least 50% spiritual, hopefully more than that because the soul is the only thing in you that is eternal. So here's what I love about a Christian therapist is they're looking at the spirituality because they understand that we are basically one person made of two components, the physical and the spiritual, and both have to be addressed. See, God placed Adam in the garden just like, if you will, uh, just like a pastor lives in the church. I don't live here, but it's, it's amazing. I, I think Alice and I have been told that two or three times by kids that attend the church. They think I live here, right? No, I don't. I've actually got a home, a wife, and, and children. But see, here's the truth. The truth is if we obey His Word in, our, in His home, in His will, in His ways, in the garden that He's placed us in, then it brings what? Blessing. But disobedience brings consequences. Now, we raised our children knowing that. That, look, uh, here's the truth. When a child comes to me, and, and when one of my children come to me, and they ask me for something, did you know my first responsive answer is yes? It is. I want 99.9% of the time what they want for themselves. However, if they ask for something that they're not ready to receive, if they ask for something that they don't have the responsibility to uphold it in the way that it needs to be upheld, if they ask for something that is going to bring more consequences in their life, then the answer has to be no. And this is the way the garden worked. Adam and Eve got a green light for everything except for one. And that's known as choice. Free choice. Free will. For those of you who are Arminian, right? You, you, you have this opportunity now. You have this opportunity and a green light pretty much for everything, but stay away from this because what you're going to take in the physical is going to destroy your spiritual. And, and let me say something, parents, that you can't tell children no without explaining to them the why. And God did this very thing. God is our father. He tells Adam and Eve, here's why you don't do it. For if you eat of this, surely as you eat of this, you'll die. There's a consequence. And I don't want that to happen for you. 
You see, we can't just say no. We've got to explain why. God is not trying to restrict our freedom. Oftentimes, God is trying to preserve our life. Now, let me say this. You cannot hear God apart from faith. So if you don't have faith, you don't know if the answer is yes or no. It's important for us to have faith, a foundation in God, to know what He wants for us. Faith is deep, it's immovable, it's unshakable, it's determined, it sees beyond the walls. And you look at how faith operated from Old Testament to New Testament and the way it should operate for us. Moses, he sees beyond the Red Sea. Joshua has to see beyond the walls. Jesus himself had to see beyond the cross. Faith has an opportunity and gives an opportunity for each one of us to hear the voice of God and go on beyond our fears. Go on to live in the spiritual beyond the physical. You may say, why do we have the physical if we're going to go live in the spiritual? Well, the truth is the spiritual should highly impact our physical. You ever been frustrated with besetting sin? You don't have to raise your hand. But you may have had a besetting sin and you're, you're saying, God, Jesus, I came to you. I know I'm forgiven, but Kelly, this just keeps coming up. And here's what God is trying to say. Hey, why don't you sit with me where I can give you a full measure of faith? Hear my word that I have for you. And here's what will happen. I will be the overcomer in your life. Put my word in you. Learn to listen, which we'll get to in just a minute. Now let's continue to back up in Hebrews. We've covered Hebrews, and we've done verse 3. We've done verse 2 in chapter 11. Now let's look at 1 because it gives us a definition. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now that word, those, there's two words here, assurance and conviction. In the Greek, they have about three English translations. So yours may not translate exactly. And over the course of the next two to three weeks, we'll cover these words. Because this, this, this series is called Evidence, and this is where it comes from. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But today I want to look at assurance and conviction. Those are two words that are are very important that the English language used to describe the Greek here. The first one is learn to be assured. The world is both physical and spiritual. We must put ourselves in a place where we experience faith to work in us. Some of you have the ability to see spiritual beyond the physical, and that's a great thing. That's great. It helps others to see beyond the walls in their own life. For our souls to be assured, we must care for our souls. We've got to care for them. We are a two-part being, if you will, and we spend so much time caring for the physical that we oftentimes neglect our soul. We need soulish care, if you will. And there are ways to do that that you'll hear about in the upcoming weeks. But one of those ways is His God's assurance. The more time we spend in the spiritual, the more we'll be assured of who we are and who He is. Most of us live in the physical with little room for our souls or the spiritual. And when life's tragedies or difficulties come, we lose our assurance. God, where are you? God, I saw you. Lord, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. 
I believe in what you've done for me, but this is a terrible storm and I don't have the ability to see beyond it. As a matter of fact, my foundation has been shaken. We've all been in that place in our lives. And here's where faith comes in and faith needs to be assured in our lives. Faith is given by God. Like I said earlier, faith has an origin and it's not you. The best thing you can do is get with the one who gives it. It's the best thing that we can all do as children of God, as the bride of Christ. There should be evidences of us as a corporate body. There should be things happening among our community and beyond and throughout the world that show that His kingdom is being expressed through the evidence of our faith. Be assured of who you are. See, the difference between Cain and Abel was this. One lived by the physical and the other lived by the spiritual. If you read in Genesis chapter 4, this is amazing to me. It wasn't hard for Abel. Abel said, look, I have the opportunity to speak to God. He is my father. I have the opportunity to be in his presence. I have enough margin in my life that I understand that everything that I have is given to me by him and it's given for me, given to me to express who he is in my life. So he's able to bring the best. He's able to bring the first fruits and to lay them out before God, even if he didn't have enough for himself, because this is what he believed. This is where his faith was. God will continue to give me an increase. I'm assured of that. Abel lived in the physical. God, when I need you, I'll call upon you. God, I know I live in your presence, but however, I'm going to bring you what's left. Obviously, you don't need anymore. Now, I know you don't read it like that in your scriptures, but I'm trying to make a point, the difference between a physical offering and a spiritual one. One has this blessing of God on it. I mean, Abel brings his leftovers. He, he, he brings the fat portions. He brings, he brings this that, that is not going to make a difference in his own life with no expectation. And so it's more physical than it is spiritual. You see... God, he recognized this. And he even gives a warning. Hey, Cain, slow down. Sin is crouching at your door and its desire is for you. Jesus says the same thing to Peter. Jesus tells Peter what's going to happen. Peter said, may it never be. And do you remember how Jesus responded to him? Get thee behind me, Satan. And just prior to that, he said, Peter, Satan has come and asked to sift you like wheat. And then Jesus said, I have prayed for you. I want you to be assured of who you are. Because in order to accomplish my will in your life, you can't do it in the physical. You're going to have to know me in the spiritual. And you're going to have to be assured of who you are in the spiritual. And that brings us to conviction, which is very sim similar. Conviction, assurance is confidence of the mind, according to Merriam-Webster. Confidence of the mind or manner, easy freedom or self-doubt or uncertainty. But conviction is, is like being convicted for something, the act of proving that a person is guilty of a crime in a court of law. Let me ask you, is there enough evidence to convict you of your faith? Have you ever been convicted of your faith? I, I get it every now and then as a pastor because of the way I preach and what I teach, then the world says, wait a minute, you can't say that the way you said it. And I say, I didn't say it. 
God said it in his, I'm just reading the word. Right? Have you, is there enough evidence to be convicted? Would you be convicted in your workplace, in your school, or the world of being a faithful Christian? Conviction of be, is being sure of what you believe. We don't always see, but we have a conviction that what we know is what we know because of who we know and the time we spend with Him, God our Father. Paul tells the Romans, he says that, that look, God has dealt to each person a measure of faith. He doesn't say a full measure of faith, that if you've come to Christ, you do have a deposit of faith to some degree. But we have to be responsible with that faith so that God can say, since there I can give them more. I can give them a greater deposit. It's not that we would become prideful in it. And by the way, a prideful faith will take faith away. I've seen people get prideful in what God has done for them. And done through them. I've seen uh, people who had a gift of healing and heal someone. A gift of prophecy and look to prophesy, but then it becomes very profitable, if you will. And what happens is this gift of faith is no longer on them. They're working more out of the power of the flesh or the power of the physical than they are the power of the spirit. There should be evidence, though. The more time I spend with God, the more conviction I have. When I pray, I know He hears me, and in faith, He will go to work on my behalf. You see, when we read the Word of God, see, I, I love this because Hebrews 11.3, He's talking about this seen and this unseen. And here's what I know. He says He spoke it through His Word into existence. So if I want things in my life in the physical if I have a temptation or if I have a besetting sin or I have these things in my life, it's amazing how many times I try to fight them with the physical. And here's why. Because I'm more familiar in the physical than I am with the spiritual. And, and Hebrews chapter 4 tells us that we have this great sword, which is the very Word of God. And if I know the Word of God and the Word of God is in me, then I have the opportunity to fight with the Spirit, as Ephesians 6 tells us we should. But the only way I can do that is to be assured of who I am in Christ Jesus, to spend time with Him and be convinced, have a conviction of the things not seen that I'm praying for one day I will. I'm going to see it manifest because God's going to speak to it. And finally, we have to be at a place where we learn to listen, church. We have to put ourselves in a place where we can hear God because God ultimately is the one who deposits faith. When we're responsible with a little, we show we can be responsible with a lot. Now, it's going to become very important that, that we recognize the pillars of faith among us and that we get around them. And you may say, why? How are they going to increase my faith? Let me show you. Now, remember, God's the one that gives, but He gives through our surrender. And oftentimes we can surrender to someone of greater faith to learn from them. Romans 10, 14, How then shall they call on Him whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe in Him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace who bring glad tidings of good things. In verse 16, but they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? 
So he's saying there's some that we've preached to that don't believe our report. There's not been a deposit of faith, and that's because they've not placed themselves. They've refused to hear God as he speaks. But verse 17, Paul says, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We've got to listen if it comes through hearing. We've got to be willing to surrender and, and have margin for the spiritual in our lives. Now, you're going to hear from me in the next couple of weeks. I said, look, we're, we're one being, right? And we are one being with basis, basically a physical and a spiritual nature. You're also going to know here in the next couple of weeks that we're mind, body, and soul. So I'm going to add mind in there because mind has the power to influence. Here, we have a good enough mind. If you were in here with me this morning, you have a good enough mind to know that if I'll sit with the Lord and listen and surrender, He will increase His deposit within me of faith. That immovable, unshakable faith. Joshua had to see beyond the walls, Moses beyond the Red Sea, and Jesus beyond the cross. God gives to all who will spend time and listen. Our faith grows when we spend time in His presence. The more time I spend with my Father, the more I'm going to know Him and He's going to be able to trust me. The more He's going to want to not just give to me, but to give to us. You know, church, faith, faith comes by hearing and hearing through the Word of God. If you've heard the Word of God this morning, I'm going to ask you this week to respond. Would you please stand this morning? I'll have the altar team come forward this morning to respond to Him. Because Jesus has just laid a foundation. This is going to become a lot of fun in the next few weeks. You're going to see where evidences happen and how they happen. But this morning we have the opportunity to hear the Word of God and to respond, to surrender and submit, to provide margin for this other part of what we're made of. Because we're not just made in the physical. That's what many of us are most familiar with. But if we're going to become the faithful spiritual pillars that we're called to be, immovable, unshakable, then we're going to have to provide margin for the spiritual in our lives, church. The faith has to be increased. So I ask all of you this week, Lord, help me. Say this prayer, Lord, help me to, to gain and be responsible with a full measure of faith so that there will be evidence so that I might be convicted one day because I'm a faithful follower of you. Conviction doesn't have to be a bad thing be a good thing. So I encourage all of us this week to spend time with our Lord. Provide margin for your spiritual so that you can see into the supernatural. So that the things that are unseen will become seen. And you'll have the opportunity to move mountains in your life, in the life of the church and to watch others be provided with the opportunity in their life to not only have a deposit of faith, but to express the kingdom of God throughout the world. Father God, I thank you for each one. Lord, I pray this morning that you would give each one of us a full measure of faith, that we would be responsible with it. And Father, I pray this morning that as we look at the foundations in our life, that there would be none greater 
than the foundation of Jesus Christ, the cornerstone in our faith in Him. Father, that's eternal for our souls. So let us find time for them this week and the weeks to come. Grow us up and grow us out in the name of Jesus. And for those, Father, who would love your prayer this morning to stand in faith with someone, have them come forward. In Jesus' name, amen.